0: I'm Damian Bulwa. Today on Fifth and Mission, San Francisco versus San Francisco. In what may be a pandemic first, the city attorney's office is suing the city school district in a bid to force the reopening of schools. That's according to an exclusive story now on sfchronicle.com, and that story was broken by none other than my co-host on Fifth and Mission, columnist Heather Knight, who is here. Heather, here we are together at last. How are you? <laughs>
1: Good. Thank you for having me on as a guest. I'm on the other side of the microphone. It's weird.
0: All right, Heather, give us the basics. What is going on?
1: City Attorney Dennis Herrera on Wednesday will file a lawsuit in San Francisco Superior Court against the San Francisco Unified School District and the seven school board members. Um, The superintendent and seven board members will be the defendants. And he is aiming to get children back into public schools on campus as soon as possible. All right.
0: Now, this is not a situation where the city lawyer needs to say one side and then jump across the room and say objection, right? That this is possible?
1: <laughs> no. Uh, these are two different institutions because the school district is a state entity. It has its own lawyers who will presumably take up this fight and City Attorney Dennis Huera represents City Hall and uh, Mayor London Breed, who, by the way, is on board with this lawsuit. She is supporting um, the city attorney in it, his fight against the school district.
0: All right. So they want to put pressure on the district to open. What is the legal issue at stake? What, what do they argue? Why do they have the power to try to make this happen?
1: Yeah. So Herrera points to, um, a state law that is, um, solely because of the pandemic, that um, compels school districts to lay out in a clear way what their plan is for offering, quote, classroom-based instruction whenever possible. It's especially adamant that school districts do this for um, students who have fallen behind and lost, um, are losing out because of distance learning. And so Herrera says that the school district does not have such a plan, which is true. It did have a plan to begin to reopen slowly on January 25th. But um, when it failed to reach an agreement with the teachers union, it ditched that plan and it has not replaced it with another plan. So he says the fact that they have no plan is against state law. And his aim is to compel them to make a plan to reopen schools as quickly as possible and get kids back in their classrooms.
0: All right. Well, let's talk about that plan because the, the school district we've reported, I think, may not open for the rest of the, the spring and perhaps until the fall or later. A lot of different schools around the Bay Area are on either open uh, or on different timetables. Maybe they're looking at a month or two out. Um, what is the current status of San Francisco schools and what do we know about when they might reopen or have a plan?
1: Yeah. The current status is that no child in um, in San Francisco's public schools, there's over 50,000 of them. Not a single one has seen a classroom in 11 months or nearly 11 months. They closed in March and have said um, several times that their goal was to um, reopen one way or another, but they still haven't. A lot of school districts were able to bring back at least um, a small group of kids, like those with severe disabilities um, or, or other issues. And even the school board back Last summer, said they wanted to figure out a way to bring back severely disabled children, homeless children, foster youth, um, the people who really aren't uh, succeeding at all on Zoom in many cases, and bring them back as soon as possible. But still, there's no plan to get any of them back.
0: Heather, what about the obvious reaction? There are going to be some people who say the reason we're not ready to return is because of the virus, and it is very contagious. We have these variants. We're just not ready, the the kids may spread it back home. What do we know about this concern?
1: City Attorney Herrera and the mayor um, pointed out that uh, schools have been allowed to open for months. Um, Even with San Francisco being in the purple tier right now, we uh, elementary schools could get a waiver and open now if they had all the proper safety precautions in place like masks and enhanced hand sanitizer and distancing and all that good stuff. So there's actually one hundred and thirteen private and parochial schools open now in San Francisco have been for months, many of them, and um, they have very set you know rules. Um, strong requirements from the Department of Public Health to get permission to open. Um, and they're apparently all following them quite well because there's been hardly any instances of any virus transmission in any of those schools. So even with more than 15,000 San Francisco school kids learning in their classrooms in the city right now, um, there's been no outbreaks. There's been a few instances, Herrera says five, where um, the virus has been transmitted between one person to another at the school. But um it seems like, you know, everybody's recovered fine and those were no big deals and definitely no outbreaks where like you know many students or teachers got it and
0: obviously the weather's changing which helps right
1: yeah and uh, that's been another push from parents um have been saying why can't we get creative we have great weather we could um, hold classes in parks or on schoolyards there's ways to um have students see their teachers at least sometimes why can't we try that but there's been no move towards that either
0: Some city leaders have been pushing on the school district in the past, either to reopen or to come up with different plans. This sort of pressure, how has the district responded in the past to it? How has the superintendent Matthews responded to it?
1: Uh, not very well. Um, none of the efforts have worked. Um, I think particularly they have um, irked the school board and the teachers union in some cases. Mayor Breed has been pretty outspoken in several public statements that she wants schools to reopen quickly. She doesn't think distance learning is working for children. And she a number of times she's tied that to um, the school board focusing on other unrelated issues that she doesn't see as very urgent, like the renaming of 44 public schools she's saying they're wasting their time on stuff that doesn't matter nearly as much as getting children back into their desks and sometimes I think that um while we a lot of parents might agree with her I don't know that it always um moves the needle and it might even move it backwards because (laughs) the school board does not like people um disagreeing with them so publicly and um and oftentimes I think that hasn't worked. Governor Gavin Newsom dangled $2 billion to school districts around California to um, open by mid-February. But um, San Francisco definitely didn't take that offer. And um, Superintendent Vince Matthews signed a letter from a number of other urban uh, superintendents saying that um, it wasn't a doable plan. And even with the money, it wouldn't work Um Phil Ting and the Assembly also tried to create a deadline for going back by March, which hasn't worked either. So I asked um, city attorney Herrera if he thought this would go any better. And he actually said he thinks it will because he has the law behind him and he's doing this in court, whereas the others have just um, done it uh, politically.
0: Just procedurally, how will it work If, if the lawsuit is filed on Wednesday? What happens next?
1: Yeah, so he files it in Superior Court in San Francisco on Wednesday, and then on February 11th, he will um, ask the judge to issue an emergency order compelling the district to create a reopening plan quickly, um, and he has to do it in that order because you can't um, request a preliminary injunction before you file the lawsuit, so there'll be a little bit of lag time, but he's hoping to, um, com- to get a judge to compel this sometime in mid to late February.
0: All right, well, let's take a quick break. Come back more with my co-host and guest, (laughs) Heather Knight, right after this. Welcome back. I'm Damian Bulwa. This is Fifth Admission, joined by Heather Knight, City Hall columnist and my usual co-host on Fifth Admission. Heather, you've talked to a lot of parents in San Francisco. And give us a little bit of a taste of, of the range of feelings around How kids are experiencing remote learning? Are are some doing well? Are some doing not so well?
1: Um, I think the older you are, the better your chances are of doing well. Some middle school and high school students, I think, prefer distance learning. They can do it at their own pace rather than waiting for others um, to catch up. And they can kind of control their own day more. But um, I think the majority of families I've talked to definitely want to go back to school, do not think that distance learning is working for their children, especially young children. I hear uh, just really sad reports all the time of kids not wanting to get out of bed, they're crying, they're punching holes in the wall, they're um, not exercising at all and and becoming obese, they're um, developing anxiety, Um, they're exhausted, they're lonely, bored, have lost their love of learning, don't want to engage, they're tired of Zoom. I just was talking to a teacher for a future story um, about what it's like to try to teach second graders, and she was saying that the little kids are asking her all the time, when do I get to see you? When can we go back to school? And she's just really frustrated that there's no answer. And she said the kids have already fallen behind in reading and math, and um, she doesn't know how they're going to catch up. Even when they do go back, they'll be so far Delayed. There's a group um, that's formed called Decreasing the Distance, which is a mostly Facebook group of public school parents in San Francisco who um, are really just so frustrated with what's going on and the lack of action and a plan. And the other day they staged an interesting um, protest where it was the 100th day of school and they sent a hundred letters. I think it actually ended up being quite a bit more, but they signed up for a hundred slots where the superintendent and school board and mayor and others would get one letter every minute from this group of parents um, to just flood their inboxes. And reading through some of those was just crushing, you know, kids don't want to go to school. They don't want to do anything. They're not engaging. They're yelling, they're sad, they're crying. And it's just really hard.
0: And regardless of your feeling about whether schools should reopen in any particular city, because there are a, a difference of opinion, it doesn't fall equally on families, right? I mean, there's it doesn't fall equally on different children and also the parents, whether they have the luxury of working at home versus having a job where they need to, to leave the house.
1: Yeah, this has definitely hit working moms a lot. Um, Statistics from the labor department show that many women have dropped out of the workforce during the pandemic because they can't work full time and help their children distance learn. And a lot of women wonder how they're ever going to catch up um, and, you know, make up that difference. Eventually, I have friends who've done that and and they're just bored. And, you know, this isn't what they signed up for. And especially with no end in sight, they don't know when they can get their own lives and careers back
0: Heather, I want to ask you about a big issue here, which is, the, is just the teachers' union. Um, there is still a lot of a, of a gap there that's, that's going to be hard to bridge, even with a court order or a court process.
1: I asked Dennis Herrera, what is your plan, even if the judge is on your side and the school district does set a date to reopen and moves in that direction? Um like in Chicago, what's happening now is that the teachers aren't going along with it. And as a union, they can strike and just not go back. And so you've actually done, you know, you've made no progress. And so I asked him, how do you avoid that? And he said, kind of, that's for the district and union to figure out. That's not (laughs) his job. He wants to get the order. Um, but I think that's going to be the biggest roadblock because even if he can convince the school board and superintendent to do this, he still has to bring along the union, and um, they're right now circulating a petition among all their members, um, asking members to sign on about a dozen different criteria to agree to go back. Some of which is completely outside of um, anybody's control in the in the education system, including they want um, reliable transportation um, for all staff and students to get to school. But, you know, with muni being slashed so dramatically, that's nothing that the superintendent could get going. Um, and so, uh, a lot of what they're asking on the medical front is much, um, more stringent than the department of public health is requesting. And so, um, bringing along the union is going to be a big challenge. And, um, I also learned that, a group within the union has formed called Strike Ready, which is trying to convince the union to support a resolution um, refusing to go back to school and striking if a reopening plan proceeds without everybody having access to a vaccine and a whole bunch of other criteria.
0: And correct me if I'm wrong, city leaders and, and Dennis Herrera do not necessarily want to wait until all teachers can be vaccinated.
1: He didn't weigh in on that specifically, but um, he definitely just kept saying kids need to be back in school as quickly as possible. So he his big thing is we need a plan. We need dates. We need to know exactly when we can expect change. We don't even have that now. And so and I would perhaps imagine, that
0: plan, perhaps that plan includes vaccination.
1: Yeah, it could. There's also, you know, that ongoing question over. um whether teachers should be compelled to go back to classrooms, even if they do get vaccines. And if they don't, should they still be prioritized? I think a lot of people feel that only those um, working in person with children should receive vaccines um, on a priority basis, because otherwise you're taking doses away from seniors and people with underlying health conditions.
0: What about Dennis Herrera? Heather, you and I have covered him for years. He's Mm -hmm. thrown his hat into the ring in the mayor's race a couple of times. Um, you know he's got always has uh, his political future to look out for. How much of this is politics, and and, and how could this play out for him?
1: He loves you know throwing um, his elbows around. Like we wrote um, several weeks ago, that he was sick of the way the city's doing nothing about open air drug dealing at Golden Gate and Hyde and the Tenderloin during a huge fentanyl crisis that's killing two people a day. Um, Really, he doesn't have to get involved with that. That's really, you know, an issue for the district attorney and police and public health department. But he wanted to, and so he's seeking um, injunctions against um, some of the biggest dealers there to keep them out of the neighborhood. So he likes getting um, involved in in the biggest issues of the day, for sure. He doesn't shy away from a good fight. He's gone to the Supreme Court on behalf of the city a number of times, and he often wins. So um, if I was uh, the superintendent reading this, (laughs) I'd be a little... Leery, but, um, I think. Uh, I do know that this has affected him personally because um, when I wrote about this issue last fall, I interviewed him, not knowing, of course, that a lawsuit was coming, but he pointed out that four uh, women lawyers in his office have little kids who are distance learning through the public schools, and it's just a nightmare for them. And um, they were at their wit's end already. I think we talked in October, and some of them were threatening to quit, and he um, really didn't want to lose them. They're some of his best attorneys. And he told me, you know, employers all over the city are dealing with this. Like we have um, staff who are really top notch, but if they're parents of little kids in the public school system, they're being pulled every which way. They're tired, they're miserable. Um, And so it's hard as an employer to know what to do. So I think there was a little bit of a personal push for him.
0: All right. Last question, Heather. And and I was hoping you could handicap this a little bit. It feels like this lawsuit is going to push up into a little bit of a different phase. There's gonna be a lot of pressure. It's gonna be more tense. Uh, the debate may be stronger. How do you see this playing out? Is it going to move the needle? Um, and, and how do you think, um, wh- what form do you think it's actually gonna be um, decided in?
1: I don't know. It's going to be fascinating. I um, described in my lead in the story that um, this debate will take a dramatic and heated turn, which I think is true. It's really going to up the ante. People have been fighting over this for 11 months. And, you know, having the city take on its own school district just brings it to a whole new level. But practically, I don't know how much of a difference it will make, because even if things go entirely Herrera's way, um... Again, if the teachers strike or refuse to come back to work, you may have the doors open, but nobody still to teach. And we already have um, a major teacher shortage. Um, So it's not like there's people waiting in the wings to come teach children. Um, So I think that's the big piece that remains to be seen. And I could also see with, um, you know, the school board being quite prickly when people disagree with them that this could just, you know, make both sides just, you know, uh, bear down even harder in their own positions.
0: All right. Well, thanks, Heather. You are a wonderful host, um, but an even better guest.
1: <laughs> well, thank you so much.
0: All right. Thanks to my guest today, Chronicle columnist and my co-host on Fifth and Mission, Heather Knight, to King Kaufman for producing this episode. And thank you for listening.